The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Warning. This episode contains foul language, a few discussions that might make your skin crawl, and jellyfish. podcast for all things strange and unusual, creepy and crawly, mitochondrial and ecological, and everything that makes you say, mm, no. This week we have our first <laughs> official guest of the season. We're diving into some new territory and we're answering some burning, burning hot questions that we have about biology. Today we're going to be looking at this crazy branch of science that spans from the smallest molecules in our own bodies to the biggest leaves in the rainforest. Today we've all compiled questions that we wanted answers to, so we assumed you might as well. So get out your textbooks, turn to page 65, and put on your safety goggles. It's time to dissect this frog. My name is Ashley, and this is my co-host Lauren. Hello, weirdos. And today we are joined by good friend and fan of the podcast, Miss Rachel Fuller. Hello, weirdo. Hello. Hi. Uh, and I said <laughs> miss. It's actually Mrs. Rachel Fuller. How I know you, you as oh, you Rachel Goffinett. <laughs> I'm okay with Ms. I feel like that's Ms. more universal Ms. than like Miss. Yeah. I like it. Mrs. Ah. just feels old. It does. That's true. It, it does. makes you sound so much older. It's just like when people are a matron Ma'am. of honor. I'm like, oh, come yes. on. <laughs> matron. Sounds awful. Yeah. Oh, matronly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is the worst thing to be on Project Runway. <laughs> oh, God. Do not want your dress to look matronly. No, never. <laughs> Rachel and I actually went to college together, but it's that age-old tale where we were in different friend groups, never really got to hang out much, and then found out years later that if we had, we would have been BFFs forever because we love all the same things. Uh, it's so true. I love that. I still kick myself where I'm like, what the fuck? But I also, it was that like theater thing where it was like, can't get too close to this person because they're talented as well. <laughs> <laughs> and two talented brunettes cannot go for the same role. Right. So you were keeping a, a healthy distance. <laughs> healthy distance. Yeah. We were very wary of each other. No, it's more like, you know how in, in schools, there's always like upperclassmen, lowerclassmen. And like yeah. you can get along and every once in a while, there's a person who can like transcend and be a lowerclassman that hangs with the upperclassmen or vice versa. So it was just one of those things where it was like, and I actually had this too. I've mentioned her on the show. She's never been a guest yet, but um, my friend Jordy, who's very good friends with Rachel, um, she was the same thing where like we weren't really friends in college and then we became really great friends after college. It's one of those weird things. I I was going to say, I've heard you talk about Jordy. I didn't realize you didn't, you weren't even hanging with her in college. That's wild. I love it. Just like a year apart, I, I think. Am. A year or two apart. And it, damn it. It's just know. enough. But now we're making up for it. <laughs> yes. For we it. are. Now and we so talk all the time. Happy to have you on the show, too. Like, and I'm just so happy to have a guest. We have not even had a guest yet. This is amazing. <laughs> I know. And I don't count Joe. Joe doesn't count. Oh, Joe's yeah. like Aww. just He's a like guy the I built live with. in part of the show. <laughs> yeah. He comes on sometimes. Yeah. He says some he really up. smart things. It's fine. He's the recurring guest character. Yeah. Yeah. 
he walks on set and everyone like screams and cheers. Woo, he's here. <laughs> yeah. He's that person. <laughs> so a couple things before we get too deep into this biological exploration. One, I do need to give some shout outs to our patrons. It's been far too long. So a huge warm welcome and thank you to Alana Peters, who upped her donation, as did Just Molly, who I call Just Molly because she just goes by Molly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jen Steinheiser, Dave Tyler, who came back after a winter hiatus. Hey. MJ. Lori Howell, Lacey Bruce, Mike Ratulowski, Emma Santora is back, Cindy Smith, Richard Trujillo, someone who just goes by three question marks, so I'm going to call them the Riddler. Thank you, Riddler. <laughs> and finally, last but not least, thank you to Nomi as Lilo. Thank you all so much for donating to our show and helping us produce our content. We love you very much. Thank you. I actually think the question marks is one of my friends from Illinois. If he truly wants to remain anonymous, I won't say his name, but Ashley, you know him <laughs> as the person who wrote in and uh, updated us that the Kmart in my hometown indeed never became anything else when we talked about oh, it yeah, yeah, on yeah. our Liminal Spaces episode. I believe that's him, but yes. <laughs> Great. Well, he's the Riddler now. <laughs> yes, the Riddler of Kmart. We love it. And uh, Lauren, you had an update. I have an update too, but I want you to go first. What's your update from last week? Oh, yeah. It's, well, what's funny is it's sort of an update, but I'm also just sort of reiterating something that I said on our last near-death experiences episode because we had three different people write in, one including my sister, who are people in the medical field, and they were saying, mm -hmm. are you sure about that story with the dying man whose brain scan was read on the EEG because apparently for everyone in the medical field, they were saying the EEG results just don't give you that much information. Oh, so interesting. I went, okay. I went back in and like combed through. I read like probably 12 different articles that all ended up saying the same thing. They were quoting the same doctors. I just kept reading the same story because the theory from the people I talked to was, are you sure there wasn't an MRI involved? Because that would have given so much more information. But I am sorry to say, after combing through the articles, all I find is that it was an EEG. It happened hmm. in 2016, but the story didn't come out until just earlier this year, 2022. That's why it was breaking news. But everything says that this is the first of its kind, which also a couple people wrote in and said, no, I've, I work with EEGs. We've definitely recorded dying brains before. We didn't get anything interesting. So I'm very curious about EEGs now and if there are just different kinds, because this is like breaking the science world. Every article I read was like, wow, this is amazing. First of its kind. I, I hope we get more studies like this. So all I can tell you is it definitely was an EEG. It recorded 30 seconds of brain activity after his heart had already stopped, this was a big deal to lots of doctors and scientists, and they're hoping to find out more with this information. But I just had to I had to say that for all the medical folks. You'd think that someone would have written into one of those publications to be like, listen. Right. That's what <laughs> this I'm isn't saying. The first, yeah. You'd think that they would um, post some sort of retraction or a correction if it was right. an MRI. I know. Because, yeah, my, my sister was kind of saying the same thing. She's like, from what I know of EEGs, they don't give, like, quite that information. But that's why I think there's something we're missing that, like, they're yeah. not posting for the dummies of the world in the articles. Maybe the EEG is doing something, I don't know, totally different than what we think. But also, I loved my sister's idea of we need to start finding hospice patients who are willing to volunteer and get hooked mm -hmm. up to an EEG or do an MRI so that we can get more answers to all of these questions of near-death experiences. I'm sure there are people who are willing to do that. And science, I think it's a great plan. <laughs> and that's my <laughs> spiel. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I think so, too. I mean, I saw Julia had had either messaged or commented that before, and she was like, we know that when they're going to die. You know what right. I mean? Like, we can we can almost always tell you the day they're going to die. That's That was the other confusing thing, is so many articles were like, man, I wish we could do this study again, but we don't know when someone's going to die. It's like, yeah, w we do, actually. <laughs> We usually do. It's such a mystery. It's such a mystery. How could anyone ever know? And it's like, well, there's this Hospice. sign, this sign, this sign. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just Hospice talk to care. a nurse. Yes. Sometimes if I want, if I'm having an issue and I can't figure out what it is, like body wise, I will, I would rather talk to a nurse practitioner than a doctor. 
Oh, yeah. Because nurses just seem, no offense, doctors, but nurses sometimes seem to know more. Right. I I agree. That's why I love talking I to Julie. I said that out of the corner of my mouth because I, I knew it was it was it was controversial. Ugh, the big doctor nurse scandal of 2022. <laughs> I know. Yeah, We're getting canceled. <laughs> Sorry, I do not want to see an iTunes review about this. So my my update is um so I I just read this quote in a book that I've been reading for like a month and a half now. I've been really bad about reading. Like, I literally didn't know what the book was called. I had to look it up for this episode. And that's my (laughs) least favorite part about reading on a Kindle, because, like, you could tell me I've been reading Mein Kampf, and I'd have to believe you, because I have no idea what I'm reading (laughs) half the time. Right. But I did look it up for this episode. I've been reading this book called The House of a Hundred Whispers by Graham Masterson. It's a fiction novel. And um, honestly, it's pretty good. I just don't seem to have the attention span to read right now. But anyway, in this book, this family comes to this house after the patriarch of the family dies and they're going over the will and whatnot. And the house um, is going to go to the grandson who at the time is like, I don't know, nine or something. And the grandson promptly goes missing. And there's also a weird room where time stops and all these souls are trapped there. Anyway... The point I'm getting to is is wild. So remember a couple episodes ago when I was like, what if ghosts are just us sleeping? Yes. Yes. And it kind of went nowhere, but I was really excited about this weird new I mean, revelation I, yeah, I that I had. With you. I was like, wait, I think you just like broke everything. <laughs> so listen to this quote I just read in this book. Again, it's fiction. And at the time... That I had this ghost idea. I was only a few chapters in this book. Not a single time had they mentioned dreaming or sleeping or anything. And now all of a sudden they hit me with this. Quote, They're what people mistakenly call our souls or our spirits. We all have an incredible amount of electrical energy that makes up our physical being and our personality. And that energy can leave our bodies, usually when we are asleep and roam around. That's why we dream. Occasionally, somebody's energy can become visible or partially visible, and that's what we call ghosts. Although ghosts are never the energy of dead people, when you die, your energy goes with you. Um. Uh, that's hello? literally what you said in the episode. Did I absorb it via osmosis? <laughs> like, from I'm holding like, the book? Like, what the fuck? I was about to say, are you just lying about reading this entire book? Because that was, like, word for word what you I know. said. Are you sleep reading? I'm sleep reading. <laughs> I even went back because I was, like... I was like 10 chapters in at this point and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe they mentioned dreaming earlier and I just kind of didn't fully process it. And no, they didn't. I literally reread it just so that I could figure out if I had gotten this from that book or if it just like popped into my head because it popped. I remember it popped in my head when I was in the bath. I wasn't reading. I was taking a bath yeah. and I got out of the bath and went to bed and was like, can I tell you my ghost theory to Joe? <laughs> <laughs> like, I have no idea wow. how that happened. But I, I it like I like dropped the book when I read it because I was like, I, mean, I just said this like two days ago insanity. on a podcast. <laughs> you just said it. And it's exactly the theory that you said. Which makes me think you are just a prophet because this stuff happens to you all the time where you predict something that is going to occur within the near future. Like your mind knew you were going to read this. I, you have a talent. You know what? That's a pretty lucrative career there. Seriously. You heard it here first, folks. I'm a prophet. (laughs) She is a prophet. (laughs) Ashley Cassidy, prophet. (laughs) But anyway, I would follow you. <laughs> That's the thing. I do think that I would make a really great cult leader. You would. I think a lot of people would follow you into anything. Like Especially if Joe yeah. and I did it as a couple, like made it a family yeah. thing. Oh, hell yeah. I know. Sure. I think that we have that, something. I would here. sign up. <laughs> He's our Bhagwan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about biology. Now, the reason Ooh. we chose this as our topic is because Rachel, our guest, is current. You're currently in school, right? You're getting a degree in the field. I am. I am. Yes. Okay. Will going, you going for biology? Yes. Tell us more about that. What exactly are you studying? What do you want to be when you grow up? And what got you interested in biology? 
Um, so much to start with. Uh, so I'd always kind of had a fascination with science, but I never, I never thought I was smart enough to pursue it. For sure, same. Where I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna be on the stage, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make <laughs> myself a star one day, and that's gonna be it. Um, and then I ended up as an office manager and I was like, this sucks. I hate this. (laughs) And I had been reading like science magazines for a while and got really interested in the microbial gut system. So all of the, all the little like microbiomes that we have living in our gut and how it affects us physiologically was just Mm -hmm. super fascinating to Mm me. So, and I, I fucking love bacteria. I love bacteria so much and i think it gets a really bad rap because typically we only hear about bacteria whenever it's doing something bad right but like we have e coli naturally occurring in our intestines like h pylori gets a bad rap for causing ulcers because it basically kind of like screws in through like the the stomach lining Mm -hmm. and causes like the inflammation and the wounds that way but it also can communicate with the hormones in your gut to let you know whenever you're full or when you're hungry. So oh, we need it. We kind of need it. And it, it gets a really bad rap. And that's why antibiotics have been like overprescribed. And they're kind of killing this natural occurring like gut microbiome that we have going on, which that's could so account for it really is. anxiety or depression. Like they think that that's what's causing it. That's well, what I was going to bring up that I've heard a lot of that for the last like a couple years especially when I got a psychiatrist because he was like how's your diet and I was like pretty good like normal like I'm not like a health nut but I also don't like eat trash Mm -hmm. and he was Mm -hmm. like um you know try swapping this for that he was like sometimes a lot of our mental health is affected by our stomachs because he was like do you have problems like are you in your you know with your bowels and stuff and it was like oh yeah i'm either shitting my brains out or i don't poop for like three days (laughs) you know and he was like yeah i mean that could really have an effect on what's happening in your brain and i was like that seems i mean it seems like a dumb moment because your whole body kind of works together to to make you like of course but But at the same time it's like damn it No, I went through that exact same thing. When I very first started talking to my therapist, she started asking me about my gut health when we were doing like the initial assessment. And I was like, what does that have to do with my depression? (laughs) She was like, so many things. And I have a horrible diet. I'm not like Ashley. Like I can just say like, I eat like I'm a 10 year old. Like I eat the stupidest foods and my gut health is not great. And I think that has a lot to do with my mental health. And I've had to make some changes. Changes because your gut affects everything and you have no idea it really does yeah so I've always I, I found that fascinating and that kind of led me in a direction of maybe this is something I'd want to pursue and it's funny the way it happened so I went in basically just to ask like about classes and how to sign up for classes and Whenever I went in, they were like, okay, so what do you want to do? And then I left with a full schedule. (laughs) (laughs) I'm obsessed with that. Uh, And I came home and I was like, I'm really sorry, Michael, but it looks like I'm going back to school full time. Okay. (laughs) Sorry about it. Here we go. Thanks for your support. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love it, though. By that point, between doing stand-up comedy and doing roller derby, I don't think he was surprised. I think he was probably like... Okay, this this makes sense. Yeah, this tracks. This, this checks out. <laughs> it's a little less intense than the roller derby, sure. and I don't have to worry about writing my own material for it. So that's that's helpful. You do go. you still um do? I mean, you're in school full time, so probably not. But do you still roller derby at all? I don't, but I stay in touch with uh, some of my derby mates who are they're finally getting back into playing now right. because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But it's I cannot recommend this oh, sport enough. I just think roller derby girls are the coolest fucking the people on the absolute planet. absolute coolest rock stars. I remember Ashley telling me she had a friend in roller derby and I was like, pardon? That's the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't know that I could handle it, but I'm obsessed with the women that do it. It was truly life-changing and the amount of strength you feel, like you're just strong because yeah. you're constantly yeah. like skating and working out. You're, like, sweating on each other and, like, pushing up on each other constantly and, like, doing your best to try and block somebody even though you know, like, you're going to get, like, hit fucking hard. (sighs) 
and fall and like bust your ass, but it's such a gratifying feeling and it's so fun to watch. Well, I think too. that would really change you mentally too. Like the the yes. whole you know, how learning how to like ride a bike basically is just getting over the fear of falling off the bike. And yes. I do feel like if you are involved in something where you take a little tumble uh, or get tackled or, right. you know what I mean, like skin <laughs> your knees and your, you know, elbows up and stuff, I just feel like mentally it like toughens you up too, oh, totally. not just physically. It really does. Yeah. And I feel like that would be a great way to take out some aggression too. Oh, like this, yeah. I think so yeah. good for oh, your yeah. mental health to be in that zone. It does sound, it just sounds awesome. And then there's me who got a pair of roller skates for Christmas from Joe and I put them on once and I was like, I'm too high up and I haven't put them on again. <laughs> so I yeah, I'm you just gotta learn how to fall. It'll change everything. That's that's what I hear from I'm Joe every day so when he complains that I haven't scared. skated yet. I know. Okay. All right. Let's talk biology. Lauren. You're going to start us yes. off today. What burning Let's question do did you need answered? <laughs> I know. I'm like, does anybody else care about this question? Because I, I have a passionate feel behind it. But I asked, why do we cringe or get so grossed out when we hear certain sounds? Like Love nails it. on a chalkboard or a fork mm -hmm. scraping a plate. Ugh. I know. And I did, I chose these universal sounds. I sort of talked with the ladies before this episode of, obviously there is the um, disorder called, mi how do you pronounce it? Misophonia? Misophonia, Misophonia, yeah. Misophonia. I never know if I'm saying it right. But, you know, that's where certain sounds that maybe aren't cringeworthy to the general population are cringy to you. That is totally different. But the more universal, like, scratching, scraping type sounds Ooh. that just make us feel so wrong. I wanted to go into that. So I first wanted to start with how we hear sound in general, because obviously that is important to how we're perceiving these sounds. And also, right. I forgot everything from high school biology. I know we learned about the ear, <laughs> but it all... I was reading this article like, man, I'm definitely reading this for the first time ever. And Alex was like, that's that's pretty basic biology. I'm pretty sure you learned that when you were younger. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Um, it's like, listen, if I knew at the time that I was going to have a podcast, maybe I would have paid more attention. <laughs> exactly. To Mrs. Klarner. <laughs> um, so we, how we receive sound is we are creating a person will create pressure from you know their vocal cords if we're just talking about our voice that pushes the air particles out it creates a ripple in the air and the air particles will vibrate in tune with the pressure produced and make their way to our ears hmm. and the outer part of our ears known as the auricle or a pinna collect these sound waves in the form of vibrations of the air particles and the vibration travels through that little space that we all know called the ear canal a tiny tiny space to our eardrum which the perfect name is eardrum because it's this stretched membrane that functions exactly like the surface of a drum would the drum will vibrate when you beat on it you know with a drumstick a mallet whatever so the vibrating air particles coming in cause our eardrum to vibrate in the exact same way and then within our eardrum, we have these small bones known as ear ossicles, which I thought was a very adorable. adorable name. Yeah. I know. They are a trio of three bones set into vibration by the eardrum, which transmits the perceived vibration to the cochlea. And is it cochlear or cochlea again? Because it's cochlear implant when somebody gets right. one. So I would say cochlea, cochlea but right? Listen, Anyone we're not scientists thoughts? here. Okay. It will transmit the perceived vibration to the cochlea. The cochlea is a small snail-like structure found in the innermost part of the ear. And as I just said, the cochlear implants that people get to aid in their hearing, that is a huge advance in science that we've had in recent years. So that's basically giving, you know, this man-made cochlea into your ear, which happens. But the cochlea has three layers filled with fluid and lined with tiny hair-like structures known as the organ of Corti, so many names. <laughs> and so 
The vibrating cochlea will then cause fluid inside it to move, and the rippling fluid moves the hair cells connected to the primary nerve, the auditory nerve, which finally sends those signals to the part of the brain responsible for understanding sounds, interpreting them for you, the auditory cortex. So all of that complication, I mean, obviously happens in the fastest time possible as you're receiving sound but it's just wild what it has to go through in order to understand i don't understand how more of our bodies aren't so fucked up right because it just seems like one little (laughs) thing like the tiny hairs don't grow (laughs) you know what i mean and then it's like oh you don't hear now like there's just so many things that can go wrong in the development of the human body that i'm just surprised that more of us aren't walking around with disadvantages in some part but also after reading all of this i know uh alex my husband on his side has a few family members with hearing problems i do as well and i mean like happening at a young age not just you know you're getting older and things are failing and then i've also met a couple of parents at wilder school who are having some hearing loss at a very young age they're in their 30s and it's I remember thinking like, man, does why are all these young people having hearing loss? It's wild. It can happen. But after reading this, kind of like what you just said, Ashley, with how complicated the ear is, it mm-hmm. makes more sense to me. There are so many things that have to be working perfectly and the fluid has to be in perfect balance to vibrate and all of that. I'm just like, oh, I get it. Of course, everyone's struggling to hear. Like we have, there are so many things that could go wrong. And also we're all using Q-tips and puncturing things and shoving wax up against our (laughs) eardrums. That was something I learned recently that like, yes, like you can puncture something if you like push the Q-tip too far in, but I didn't understand like why you shouldn't use Q-tips in general because I don't, but you know, just don't put the Q-tip all the way in, like you're fine. But apparently like Q-tips are really bad because they push wax down there and eventually you're going to have so much wax pushed up against your eardrum that you're going to have to get it cleaned out, which makes me shiver. I know. Like you can get such a bad blockage. Yes. Because you're pushing the wax deeper. We all think we're cleaning our ears, but it's the worst possible thing you could do. Have you seen the, they have like an ear instrument now with a camera on it. The irrigator. Yeah. You can get it on Amazon. (laughs) Oh, no, you're talking about something different. Okay. I... What's hilarious, Rachel, I have that. Are you It's serious? an ear cleaner. It has a camera on it. It connects to your phone and you download an app and you can watch this yeah. little like scooper. Yeah, Silicone scooper have. go in your ear and scoop wax. Yes. Lauren, you have that? I do because I thought I had a wax blockage and I did and I was right. And the camera helped me see it. <laughs> I had a lot of hard wax. Did you throw up in your mouth? No. See, Ashley, you were saying how like you cringe thinking of getting a professional ear cleaning. I would love it. My TikTok for you page is filled Ugh, with people yeah. doing the you're, irrigator, you're which is the other too, thing. That like pimple popping. It's satisfying. And shit. Ugh. Yes. Hate you. I love watching zits be popped Ugh. and I also love watching <laughs> I like watching water flush out wax from people's God. ears. Our for you pages are very different. Yeah. I know. I, don't, I have I don't some sorry everybody um coming back (laughs) we've just said so much about you yeah (laughs) i know i i mean i'm gross i know it no you're not you're not gross (laughs) okay so we learned about the structure of the ear and how we receive the sound but then sound itself the two defining features of a sound wave are its amplitude and frequency Amplitude tells us how loud a sound is, Mm -hmm. while frequency lets us know how high or low a sound is, or as we all call it, pitch. And there's those assholes who have perfect pitch who I've just hated my entire life because it's all I've ever wanted. It's never bothered me because I can't carry a tune to save (laughs) uh, my soul. In 2012... Scientists conducted a study where they asked people to rank a list of sounds according to how annoying they were, because just like me, they were like, we need to know why we hate the sound of nails on a chalkboard and all of these annoying scraping sounds. What is going on in there? So they conducted a study. The sounds that made it to the top of the list included a knife on a glass, nails on a chalkboard, a fork on a glass or a plate, and very shrill screams, which... 
again, I think are, are pretty universal where we will have a reaction. Our shoulders kind of go up. We get goosebumps. We, yeah, you're a little like, yes, you're all scrunched up. like Ugh. All of these sounds had one underlying similarity. They're very high Scrunch pitch. Scrunch our face. And yeah. pitch, as mentioned earlier, is determined by frequency. And the number of times a thing occurs is said to be its frequency. Similarly, the number of vibrations caused by a sound wave is its frequency. So more vibrations correspond to a high-pitched sound, and we will measure that frequency in hertz. So human beings can hear sounds in the frequency range between 20 hertz and 20,000 hertz. So wide range. Hmm. The frequencies of those horrible sounds listed above are between 2,000 and 5,000 hertz. Our ears appear to be the most sensitive in this range of sound frequency, 2,000 to 5,000. So while the people par participating in the study were listening to these sounds, scientists were measuring the real-time activity happening in their brains through a functional magnetic resonance imaging, which is an, an fMRI. An fMRI shows activity in the brain by measuring the changes in blood flow in the brain, and an active part of the brain uses more oxygen, which causes more blood flow to that area. So scientists observed that sounds like nails on a chalkboard and a knife scraping on glass caused high activity in the auditory cortex and the amygdala. And the auditory cortex is what is, you know, helping us make sense of the sounds we hear each day, interpreting for us as we heard. But the amygdala mm. is the little structure that is our emotional center of the brain. It's like that little, it's a little pouch that hangs out in our brain and triggers emotions. So if we see a spider in our room and, you know, it makes makes us jump out of our skin and sprint out of the room, that is our amygdala at work. It triggers fight or flight, and it is essential for our survival. And of all the sounds mentioned, screaming is the only sound that is a normal quote-unquote normal reaction to a situation because human beings are evolutionary program evolutionarily programmed to respond to a scream as if it were a matter of life or death and i didn't even realize this obviously it's easy for us to say like of course a scream <laughs> somebody needs help right duh but it's actually like distress calls or calls for help emitted by even our most primitive ancestors were very similar to the sound of screams as we know them today so, like, because of evolution, this has become that trigger for fight or flight. And the theory is that our ears evolved to amplify very shrill noises, like that of a scream, to increase our chances of survival, increase our reactionary response to, oh, somebody needs help, we need to jump into action. We need mm -hmm. to run away. Which I was like, yes. Or run <laughs> yeah, in the fight other or direction. Flight. <laughs> <laughs> that means something is coming. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. This also reminds me of um, in the movie Mars Attacks, oh, where they play that song and the aliens' heads explode. Yes, yep. <laughs> now, every time I hear a high pitch, I'm going to imagine my little ears about to burst. Because <laughs> that's the only image. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. And also, on the opposite spectrum, that makes a lot of sense when it comes to infrasound. Because totally. it's so low that it would maybe potentially make those that vibration such a slow vibration that it's unsettling. Mm -hmm. Right. It just makes you feel some discomfort. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I just have a little left with the scream and then I promise I'm done because there was even there was still some more to it that I found very interesting. But a scream, like any other sound, consists of multiple frequencies. You know, there's so many different pitches to a scream, depending on who's doing it or even one person. They can almost kind of have like two notes going next to each other, harmonizing with each other. Um, so there was another study where scientists decided to isolate the different frequencies of a shrill noise, like a shriek or a scream. And they played all the different pitches of where that scream could go and asked individuals to rank them according to the discomfort they caused. And surprisingly, it wasn't the highest notes of the scream that were the most painful, but rather the ones that fell right in the middle. And the frequency of the sound of nails on a chalkboard is the perfect match with the middle frequencies oh, of a scream. Interesting. I was like, what? 
Hence, scientists speculate that the sound of nails on a chalkboard or a fork scraping on a plate set off those same alarm bells in our head as a scream, as it is evolutionarily programmed in our bodies, even though our visual cues are telling us nothing is threatening, it still sets off those triggers because of the frequency that those things are happening at. Wow. And the conflict between our brain and what we're seeing before us also causes the strange discomfort. It's not completely fight or flight like a scream, but it, again, makes us cringe, gives us goosebumps, gives us a little jolt or a jump, like maybe you were startled a little bit. It's that discomfort is because it's like all I see is a fork on a plate, but that sound just made me want to react. It made me feel weird. It made me feel bad. So that is what is going on when we hear those sounds. Your answer to this question could have been because it sucks. And I would have been like, (laughs) yep, you're right. Moving on. Yep, a thousand percent. I know. It's easy for us to just be like, well, nails on a chalkboard is awful. But there is, yeah, there's something to that frequency that we don't like. Fascinating. That's impressive. I know. So your answer, your question got answered. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel really good about it. Rachel, what was your question? And did you yes. answer it? Um, I did answer it. It was a it was a very basic question. Um, one that I'm sure we've all asked ourselves time and time again. Do <laughs> jellyfish have brains? <laughs> Gosh, I do ask they? every day. What's happening? <laughs> I think about it every single day. Uh, there's nothing worse than not knowing if a jellyfish has a brain. But these (laughs) evil plastic bags of the sea are able to function not only without a brain, but without a heart and without a stomach. I, that's, right, like, it's just not possible, okay? It shouldn't be possible, it shouldn't, uh, that's why I think they're evil. I think they're evil monsters of the sea. (laughs) I don't think that we can trust them. I once saw them in a movie where they attacked Queen Latifah and left her for dead. So I just, I don't think that they're trustworthy. Was that Sphere? I don't. It it might have been Sphere. It might have been Sphere. It was Sphere, (laughs) which is a great movie. (laughs) They they attacked her and left her for dead. They really did that. They did. They just all like suddenly like came out of nowhere. And I just remember like feeling such an intense fear because... Who wants to see that when you're at the bottom of the fucking ocean? Yeah. And who would do that to Queen Latifah of all people? would do that to a true American hero? Jellyfish. I don't know why anyone would do that. Jellyfish. Jellyfish would. And um, so they're not considered a fish, first of all. I'm sure that's a surprise to to many. Um, But they're more of a zooplankton and belong to the same phylum as sea anemones and corals. Oh. Ah. And they move with the ocean current. So some people think they just float, but they actually can move with the ocean current. And some species can squirt water that can help move them forward. Kind of in a way similar to like where squid can like spurt out some ink and then like scurry away. Right. Right. But I don't think they're scurrying. I think it's probably just more movement. They also consist of 95% water, which I'm sure is very helpful for being in the sea. Right. Uh, (laughs) And the way that they function is that they have a series of nerves or something called a nerve net, and it spreads through the jellyfish. And the nerves serve as sensory organs that can detect touch, temperature, salinity, and the jellyfish reacts reflexively to these stimuli. Uh, They also sense light via light-sensitive cells along the ridge of their bells called ropalia. I think that's the way to pronounce it. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a marine biologist. Like, is that <laughs> something like you. plants do? I feel like that sounds like a plant-like thing. Um, similar uh, to like photosynthesis. You mean? Yeah. Um, I think it's a little different because the the jellyfish aren't necessarily going after like uh, photons. True. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. More just the light. And I think it, it also depends on the type of jellyfish. Like, they have got, like, really tiny ones. They've got possibly immortal ones called Hydra. Hail Hydra. And- immortal? <laughs> yes, immortal. immortal. And that is insane as well. It That's is. insanity. They also, they have, like, eye spots that also detect light. I, I forget which species it is, but they they have up to 24 eyes. That might be the box jellyfish. 
So it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of nuts. It's a little nuts. And yeah. their diet. So okay, another reason I call them evil is because they're carnivorous and parasitic. So they feed on planktonic organisms, crustaceans, small fish, fish eggs, larvae, and other jellyfish. Rude. They eat cannibalistic yes. cannibalistic creatures. I knew I should be wary. Wow. See, <laughs> you can't like like I said, you can't trust them. You might no. You could have two jellyfish best friends, and one would just like take a bite of the other one and be like, "I'm fine with this." Yeah, they wouldn't even care. Wouldn't bat an eye. I don't like it. So they ingest their food and void undigested waste through the mouth, which is kind of gross. <laughs> so they're pooping out of their mouth? They're pooping out of their mouth. Because right. uh, I assume getting worse they don't have a butthole. They don't have a butthole. Where no. would it be? <laughs> they don't have a heart, which we all know. Heartless bastards. The brain thing, I still can't wrap my head around. And yeah. they also don't have a butthole. Huh. Huh. No, they just have a mouth and they have one hole. One hole, as far as I know. Um, did right. you know how hard it is to find information on jellyfish? Really? I found most of my info from Wikipedia and then an article on how do jellyfish function without a harder brain by Brendan DeMello. But the rest are mostly like kids' websites where it's like seven interesting facts about sea life you don't know. <sighs> I was gonna say jellyfish are cruel. <laughs> jellyfish are evil animals, and they will eat and their unfeeling. best friend. They don't feel anything. They feel, they feel touch, but they don't feel any emotion. I was gonna say the only things I know about jellyfish I learned from going to the aquarium with my son, the Long Beach Aquarium of the Pacific, that little theme wow. song that we hear. Uh, and it's all just the most basic stuff. And you see lots of different kinds, as you've been talking about, so many different colors and sizes mm -hmm. and shapes. But I don't feel like it had any information about how they just live their life and function without the necessary organs, which is a super important question. Yeah. And the way that they hunt is also interesting. So they hunt passively using tentacles as a drift line. And then sink through the water with their tentacles spread widely. I wish you could see my hands because I just keep widening myself. <laughs> You're doing the motion. <laughs> widening your fingers. <laughs> uh, but the tentacles contain nematocysts to stun or kill the prey and may flex to help them bring them to the mouth. Hmm. And their swimming technique also helps them capture prey. And then when their bell expands, it sucks in water, which brings in more potential prey with each reach of the tentacles. Oh. And I wouldn't care about this if there weren't the lion jellyfish, which can get up to like 121 feet. Ugh. No. No. Like, I'm. Where are they? Where are they? Uh, Where do I they live? They're mostly found in like China, Korea, and Japan, like in those okay, waters. Okay, that's fine. I don't plan on going in those waters so anytime I soon. I think you're safe. I I feel like the they don't they're not known to come around like that often. Like the lion jellyfish, I think they're right probably a little further out, but they can definitely yeah they're probably pretty deep surpass a human diver. Um, right. Yes. Ugh. Some of them can reproduce asexually, so they just spawn. Oh. Another jellyfish just pops on off. So for ones that are small enough, they reproduce by fission. So they just basically, as you just described, they're split. Like, they split. They're like, Boop. wow. Da. And here's my double. Yep. I feel like the reason we don't have a lot of information on this is because scientists just threw up their hands. <laughs> they were like, we can't do I it. Can't. This they're like you know what i don't know this isn't <laughs> we're done here this goes against everything i believe exactly like every time we keep looking at it more weird shit just keeps coming out so let's <laughs> yes. i can't handle it I can't. that's enough so i did find out the answer to my question is no they don't they don't have a brain but they don't need it because they have all of these nerves and secret evil ways of catching prey and you know <clears throat> living their jellyfish lies their secret evil ways. The Sir, secret evil ways of the jellyfish. villain jellyfish. Oh, uh, I have so, to apologize to your listeners if anybody's a huge fan of jellyfish. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be one angry person, but that's all right. Lauren likes popping pimples. Maybe you like an evil sea creature made of nothing, made of water. Our, our things, our kinks. Let's just let's let it go. 
So maybe no one knows the answer to this, but do things like mollusks, do they have a brain? Um, I don't actually know, but I could Google an, that an, really quick. An anemone? I feel like an anemone doesn't. Because I never knew that. I I always assumed, you know, you see a jellyfish and I'm like, that's got to be related to a squid. Because it's the same idea with the tentacles and stuff. But now that it makes so much more sense to be like, oh, they're actually related to, you know, mollusks and and, and anemones. Yeah, the coral. There's a reason Nemo had trouble with that. (laughs) An anemone. (laughs) An anemone. Oh, they have no brain. They have no brain. Okay, so that makes See, sense. There you go. That They're like a more out. advanced form of anemone. Right, yeah, they have nerve cells yeah, concentrated like in nerve move. knots, ganglia, in, in important parts of the body. Interesting. Okay, it's all, all right. about the well, nerves keeping them going. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of what keeps us going is we've got the parasympathetic True. and sympathetic. Lauren, you were just talking about that on a previous You're right. episode. You're right. I feel like a stalker being like, let me quote back to you what you let just said. You. <laughs> In episode uh, 212. I've no, been listening. you're so right. We did talk about that on the last episode. And it's like, that's, it's even kind of showing that that's why our brain is still going after our heart stops. It's like all those nerves go into town. Yeah, I actually had kind of a moment the other day where... Um, you know when you have a thought and it ruins your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I had this thought. I, I was, uh, first of all, I, I don't know if we need to bring this up. We've had a couple listeners write in saying they were scared. But everything that's happening in our country right now with, uh, you know, repealing Roe v. Wade and, and all that is really scary and it sucks a whole bunch. And I was reading an argument between two people about... um. Uh, babies fetuses and whether or not they can feel and like all that shit which like i won't get into but someone had made a comment about how when organ donors donate their organs sometimes it happens when they're still alive i saw that comment on your face yeah and i read that and i went that's the dumbest thing i've ever fucking heard in my life but i had this part of me that was like but what if? Like, what if I don't know? Yeah. So I Googled it. It's wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but <Yes. laughs> what I didn't ever realize, I never put two and two together, is that we can die in two ways. We can we can be brain dead mm-hmm. and we can be cardiac dead. Right. And mm-hmm. um, you can't really be cardiac dead without being brain dead, but you can be brain dead without being cardiac dead. And that's actually the ideal situation for organ um, uh, harvesting because when your brain is dead, yeah, but you are continually on life support, you can keep those organs fresh until you have everything in place and then you can transport them. But you are dead. And I never really made that connection. I heard brain dead and I just thought coma. But no, no, no. If your brain is dead, you are dead. You are not there. Your body may be breathing with a machine. Your blood may be pumping. But you are dead. You are not there. And I... I did think, I wonder if that's what that person was trying to say on your Facebook post, but it came across very, very wrong. Yeah, well, they just misunderstood what someone had said to them. Like, oh, right. like you can get your organs harvested if you're if you're just brain dead. You can still be cardiac, you know, there's no word for it, but like if you're only brain dead. But what yeah. you'd have to realize is that being brain dead is not being asleep. It's not being in a coma. Right. You are dead. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, I had <laughs> that popped in my head and I had never thought about that before and I it ruined my whole night. Oh gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> just it because is. It's I just never one of those dark realizations it. of like, ugh. Yeah. That's <laughs> rough. Well, but. and you hear about, yeah, those families who have somebody on life support and they always call it, you know, pulling the plug. Are you ready to do it? The person is not there in any way, but they right. they're holding on. It's like, well, yeah. their heart's beating. Maybe they're going to hear me. It's like all of that. No. It's all horrible. Ooh. It happens to everyone, okay? We all do it. It's, we all die. It's, everybody it's dies. It's the truth. It, everybody does die, unfortunately. There's, yes. there's no getting around it, unless you're yeah. Hydra. Unless yeah. you're Hydra, the evil villain <laughs> of this Hydra. world. We should all just <laughs> gather around and realize this is the common enemy, and I think it'll bond us as a people, but... 
Or apparently if you're Dick Cheney, because that guy <laughs> won't go down. Mitch McConnell, too. I want to know what he's drinking. It's got to be what blood are of you the doing? innocent. Yeah, blood, blood of babies. The blood of the babies. Oh, abortion's um, illegal, but I'm going to drink this baby blood. But I'm going to drink this baby blood and live I forever. Be surprised. Well, my question occurred to me. I'm glad we talked about jellyfish. It occurred to me when I was watching a documentary and I saw an octopus. And a thought popped into my head. I wonder if octopuses have a dominant hand. Oh. So my question actually is, why do we have a dominant hand? Why is that even a thing? And um, by the age of two or three, most of us have started to prefer using one hand. And yes, it's usually the right hand. Only about 10% of people end up as lefties or southpaws. And those people are usually criminals. <laughs> that is so rude because Wilder is turning out to be a left-handed kid. Is he really? <laughs> yes. I was Are about you to or say, Alex lefties? No. Are you both that's that's what's ah. funny. I just looked up that statistic the other day, the ten percent, and I was blown away because I was like, it can't be this low of people who are left-handed, but it is. Mm-hmm. And nobody Very. in my immediate family or Alex's is left-handed. I don't know where mm. Wilder came from. Well, but I could. I might teach you something here. Okay. Well, here we go. He is definitely a future criminal, so get get ready for that. That's actually not shocking to me. (laughs) So for a long time, the general consensus was just that as far back as probably Neanderthals, we started having a preference of hands. But it's something that's been discovered in animals, too, so it, it doesn't seem like it's a conscious choice. And especially for people who are old enough to have been like, beaten for using their left hand as a way to discourage you from using your left hand pretty sure you would have had a super easy time deciding to use your right hand and that would have been the end of that but they're discovering more and more that it actually seems like it's produced by biological and genetic causes and the biggest theory right now is that it has to do with the hemispheres of our brain And because of evolution and natural selection, a majority of individuals have speech and language control in the left hemisphere of their brain. And because the left hemisphere also controls the movements of the right hand, uh, and notably the movements needed to produce written language, so millions of years of evolutionary development results in a population of humans that is biased genetically towards left hemisphere speech and language and therefore right-handedness because it's going to be the opposite. Right. So Wilder actually might be processing language and speech in the right hemisphere of his brain. Okay. Helping me to know my child. We love it. (laughs) Helping me to know him more. And on top of that, hand preference obviously can be genetic. My mom's a lefty and my sister's a lefty. And there are two genes that are for sure associated with handedness. One is known as the dextral gene and the other chance gene. We call them D and C. And people with the D gene present are all righties. And people with the C gene or the chance gene, it can go either way. It's kind of a toss-up 50-50. Are they sometimes maybe ambidextrous too? Well, that's the thing. So ambidextrous people are completely different. Those they're mega criminals. Okay, they are are like heinous crimes. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless of why it is, it's called lateralization, and it's been reported across vertebrates and invertebrates alike. And it's no surprise our close relatives have it. This is kind of cool. Gorillas and chimps are almost always right-handed, whereas orangutans are almost all left-handed whoa what isn't that crazy that is wild but even things like horses horses spines are ever so slightly curved to one direction almost like having a little bit of scoliosis like i did when i was in seventh grade (laughs) and that gives them a natural bias towards that direction so show horses for example will show a preference to turn in one direction over the other but then also Bottlenose dolphins, who have no arms or legs, exhibit lateralization in the eye that they prefer to use when observing things. And most dolphins are right-eyed. What? Yeah. Wow. I'm like, I I don't even have words. I'm just like, jaw is on the floor. I'm just loving these facts. (laughs) This is crazy. I know. 
Even in humans, though, our lateralization goes beyond our hands because a lot of us have a dominant eye that we don't even know we're using, and it's usually got better vision than the other one, which is wild. And we have a preferred leg, and anyone who's ever played kickball knows that to be true. Like, oh, you yes. always kick with the same leg. And usually if you're a right-handed person, you kick with your le- or your right hand as well. But some people aren't. Some people like to throw and catch with their right hand, but kick with their left. Again, yeah. criminals. Criminals. <laughs> I trust golf them. on my left side. You do? Weirdly enough. I mean, not that I'm, like, a huge avid golfer. Like, no, right. thank you. Uh, but <laughs> still, I, that's what you prefer. Yeah, I've noticed. Like, I get most most comfortable. Like, and I bat left handed as well. I was just about to say, I hear it with batting the most. I feel like it's either my dad or my brother has that, where it's like right handed till the day they die. They do everything with the right hand, but they both or just one of them bats left handed. It's like they can't even think about trying the right, and that is so strange to me. That really that is. is so weird. I didn't Google that, so I can't tell oh, you yeah, why that's that. A oh, that's whole other okay. thing, I, think. <laughs> I would like to know if dolphins uh, golf on the left side <laughs> with their left eye, or if it's primarily the right eye. For sure. Let me write that down. Do dolphins <laughs> that's for the next episode. Golf on their left side. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so as far as why this is evolutionarily, why aren't we ambidextrous? You think that that would give us the most advantage? But no one really seems to know, and studies are still being done to prove that left-handedness is associated with differences in brain asymmetry. And actually, from what we can tell, this is fun, Lauren, left-handed people, in their brains, both sides of the brain tend to communicate more effectively with each other, which can actually be quite the advantage, and there's a reason a lot of the time they're drawn toward um, athletics, because they are coordinated. And yeah, even (laughs) so like they, they find satisfaction in, in athletic things because they are very coordinated people and you know, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not coordinated to save my life. If you throw something at me, I, my hands just go in the air and I let it hit me in the chest. Yeah. I I drop everything. (laughs) I trip all the time. I'm terrible at sports. That's why I did theater. So I need Wilder to be (laughs) better than me. As three theater um, people, I thought that would land better. But. <laughs> Definitely does. I was just no, thinking does. about how I tried to play basketball when I was a freshman in oh, high school, gosh. and it did Ugh. not go well. It did no. not. I got hit in the face with a basketball at one point. Oh, well, no. <laughs> that sounds like something you wouldn't have nightmares about for the rest of your life. Nope. Um, no, definitely not when balls are coming towards my face. <laughs> You know what? I actually, so this is something I know you can both probably relate to. I get really like stressed out and annoyed when people throw things to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I tried to identify why that was like, cause Joe will be like, you know, heads up and he'll like throw me something. I'll be like, yes. don't fucking throw me things. Like I don't like it. And I realized it's because growing up, boys would throw shit at you all the time and you'd be like don't throw that at me and they would it was like a constant thing like all of grade school some of high school were boys throwing shit to you because they thought it was funny when you like dropped it or like whatever and i it's like literally gotten to the point now as an adult where i'm like don't fucking throw things at me <laughs> i feel like i'm <laughs> with you on that so mad because i'm the same way with alex when he's just he thinks he's being you know more efficient like let me just toss yeah. this to you because you're kind of far it. away i'm like don't don't you do but mine is almost like i am afraid of the embarrassment of dropping it because oh, of like boys when we would do like co-ed gym class every once in a while which was like seventh eighth grade i think even a little bit freshman year and anytime i was tossed something i dropped it and then the laughter came afterwards so i'm always like nobody oh, no. throw me anything we're very psychologically damaged we are <laughs> But just to put a bow on this idea of right brain and left brain, you aren't ever just using one one at once. Like you do use both sides all the time. They're both engaged. It's just that usually one is more engaged when doing certain things. So like meticulous tasks and decision making may take more activity from the left side and then like daydreaming or um, doing something creative may take up more room on the right side. But I found this trick and I started trying it and I I don't know if it's helping because it really helps or if it's just like uh, 
trick, like tricking my brain. But if you want to fire on more cylinders all the time, you should work on getting both sides to work together. And supposedly a really good way to do this is something called the cross crawl. And you're supposed to do it every day for one to two minutes. You stand straight up with your legs spread out and your arms out to the side or above you. And then you lift your right knee and touch it to your left hand. Remember that in gym class? Oh, yes. Where it's just almost like a march, but you're like touching your left hand to your right knee, right hand. Yeah, exactly. And if you do that for like one or two minutes a day, it supposedly helps your hemispheres start working together and can help you manage stress and get like peak performance. Oh, I need that. And I thought that was really cool. And we should all start doing that every day to see if it helps. I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now. (laughs) I actually have commentary on this as a uh, child's music teacher because in the parent and me classes that I teach, that's something that Mm -hmm. we do with the babies to get like the two sides of the brain to start communicating because the brain is still like really working on itself in those babies. When they would come to my music class, we would do this thing where the babies would lay on their back and the moms would take each of the baby's hands in their hands and do a little crisscross. Like the baby was giving itself a hug and the parents would make it happen. And then we do the same with their legs. And then you do it arm to leg, like you were just saying, like crossing over each other. And it was called cross lateral movement. It was something I learned when I was becoming a certified, you know, kinder music teacher. And I remember thinking like, wow, I mean, this seems like a great activity to do with babies, but I really hope that it has the effect that these experts are, you know, hoping that it does. But now you saying that even adults can do that. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is real. This is actually one of the reasons, uh, breathing is also another big reason, but this is also another one of the reasons that yoga is so good for you for stress management and like chilling the fuck out because it's all cross lateral movement. You always do one side of the body, then you do the other and it, it really is helping the two hemispheres of your brain work together. Man. Isn't that crazy? It really works. I love it. Yeah. So- To get to my actual question, according to Ruth Byrne, who is a researcher at the University of Vienna, octopuses always choose a favorite arm to explore new objects or mazes. So they do have a dominant arm or limb or tentacle. Tentacle. I love it. And they also have a dominant eye that they like to check stuff out with, which does seem to influence what their grabby arm is. So they don't know what came first, the dominant eye or the dominant arm. But also, evidence shows us that each limb has a different personality. What? So they have like a shy arm, a dominant arm. And that could be because unlike jellyfish with zero brains, octopuses have nine brains. That's... Is that why they're so freaking smart? Yeah. And like it's believed that each brain controls one arm because they have eight. And then they have one central brain that coordinates and works all the brains and the arms together as well. Yes. Isn't that fucking insane? Insane. Mama brain. Mama Mama brain. brain. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Happy Mother's Day, guys. (laughs) Wow. And with that, that is all the time we have for this week for Keep It Weird. Um, make sure make sure you tune in next week because we have even more burning biology questions with our guest, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us today, oh, Rachel. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, um, and if you guys bit. aren't sick of my voice this week, you can head over to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast, to hear me talk about the new Firestarter movie starring oh, Zac yeah. Efron and Ryan Kira Armstrong. And you can find that podcast pretty much anywhere that you find ours. And head on over to Angry Neighborhood Feminist to hear yes. my deep voice talk with our dear friend Madigan about motherhood and the ins and outs. Yeah, and how fucking frustrated she is. <laughs> True. We had so much 
fun this week. And trust me, next week, there are more laughs and even more moments that make you say, what? Also, if I sound weird, it's because it's 5 a.m. and I can't sleep, which is always the perfect time to record something for your podcast. Um, Do me a huge, huge favor if you're a fan of our show and especially if you're a fan of our show who is caught up on episodes, check out our Patreon and consider donating $1, $5, or $10 a month to help us produce it. You'll get two to three bonus episodes every month with me, Lauren, Handsome Joe, Amy Hanselman, and Lauren's amazing sister, Julia. You get a shout out on the show. You get discounts on our merch that you can use an unlimited amount of times. And we send out a newsletter every month that has even more true crime, more weird news, more creepy stories, all stuff that you won't get to hear us talk about on the show. Also head to www.keepitweirdpodcast.com slash merch if you want a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, phone case, blanket, tote bag, or whatever your weird heart desires. And if you buy some merch, you better send us a pic. We want to see you rock it. And last but not least, follow us on social media if you don't already at Keep It Weirdcast across all platforms, especially on Instagram where we do Tarot Tuesdays with Busy Bee Coven, Witchy Wednesdays with Laura LaRue, and this summer we will start doing Medium Mondays with your favorite psychic, Amy Goldenberg, who might just have a message meant for you. In the meantime, wish all your octopus main brains a happy Mother's Day. And keep it weird. But, hold on, sorry. Uh, yes, yes, girl. Yes. Yes. That was a good one.